Hello, and welcome to Likely True. I'm your host, Carol Lindstrom. Today, I wanted to uh, revisit an idea from my original Likely True series on Medium about climate cultures. Uh, I think there are regional cultures um, that are composed and informed a lot by the weather, the climate that we live in. And I don't think this is radical. It may be quite a commonplace idea, but I think it is influential in how we work, um, where we think of work happening, and how this might be changing uh, over time with climate change, with remote work, uh, and and with uh, an awareness of the kind of factors that influence us, um, whether it's our colleagues in a shared space or, or um, you know, the, the climate of the building. But let's, let's think, you know, truly environmental climate, right? So when you, when you hear about different personalities or characteristics of East Coast versus West Coast, um, one is generally referred to as being a bit more rapid paced or, or neurotic. The other may be more laid back and, and casual. And, you know, cultures are composed of a wide variety of people, right? They're shaped by all manners of factors. <laughs> but I, I think that climate may, may be a, one, of a, one of the bigger contributors. So I'm going to focus on the East and West Coast. I'll refer to um, other parts of the U.S., um, as well, um, I do this for two reasons. One, I've lived on both of them. But secondly, uh, they are uh, a large part of the media sort of landscape from a, uh, you know, streaming television and music and books kind of perspective. Um, so there is this element of, of being known um, in that regard because of, of common media portrayals. <clears throat> which isn't to say those portrayals are accurate, but regardless. So how does climate contribute to culture? Let's do a little imagining. You're planning a day trip to a state park. Uh, you have some food, water, friends, good shoes. Uh, maybe you're getting there with a car or two, you know, get, depending on how many people are coming with. What did you start thinking of? Did you wonder or assume it was happening in this season? Did you think, well, what if it rains? What, what time of year? How, how recently did we check the weather? And maybe if that's the case, you, you might be uh, from, from the East Coast. Um, or, you know, other more <laughs> impacted areas in that sense, right? So if we think about the East Coast... Um, we have hurricanes and nor'easters, and uh, people tend to have multiple jackets and sweaters. Um, they might default to, you know, one or two across the seasons. There's certainly layering that's involved. Um, you might have ice storms, you know, through March, and Halloween costumes could be too warm or require additional layers, just depending on the year. When you are regularly exposed to this diversity of weather options, uh, like the annual climate cycle on the East Coast, 
you become conditioned to think about backup plans and an extended definition of, of what it means to be prepared, as well as um, developing a perhaps a broader definition of what counts as nice weather for each season. This ability to think of a wider range of possibilities and being more amenable to contingencies can come across as neurotic. But it also, somewhat counterintuitively, tends to result in a more tolerant nature. There develops this unique culture of sort of risk mitigation and conservativeness with an openness to possibilities. On the West Coast, you may have your sweater or jacket in the car, just in case. But you also probably have just like the one jacket or sweater. Um, and, you know, maybe it varies in the northern stretches of the West Coast for, for all the rain. But generally speaking, you, you're not adapting your plans to the weather as much. You tend to be more self-assured that things will go as planned. Being outdoors is, is a more year-round option, especially for the more adventurous activities of mountain biking, hiking, and, and water sports. Um, n- not to say that <laughs> uh, cold weather sports don't also uh, give you a, set, a certain mindset. Now, not everyone may be an adrenaline junkie, but the ease of access to such activities permeates the general public. These factors contribute to a culture that is uh, less worried and maybe more risk-taking. Again, this isn't about individual personalities, which can tend to be more risk-averse or embracing, more planning-obsessed or laid-back, regardless of where they live and what they're thinking about. But at a broader collective level, we have regional identities that can be demarcated by linguistic variations, brand affinities, musical genres, etc. And I posit that one of the largest factors that shapes our regional cultures is the one thing we cannot control, Mother Nature. Now, we can influence Mother Nature and maybe much to our detriment, if we think about the scientific evidence of, of climate change, the fire season in Australia, the fire season in California, um, hurricanes like Katrina and Sandy, these are becoming more common. And we also have to think about how these sort of disaster uh, mindsets, what they do short-term and long-term, right? So if you have a short-term experience of disaster, um, if it's something you've heard about and you were prepared for in a certain way, whether that was air raid drills in the Cold War or tornado drills growing up in the Midwest or earthquake drills. That may be something where you have a sense that these are things that can happen, but maybe they hadn't in your, in your life. Um, Maybe if they did, they were near, but not immediate to you, or they were more mild than what maybe you had anticipated. So we're currently in 2020 dealing with 
multiple urgent factors. So what may be affecting us short term and how lasting that will be, again, I think we will see lasting impact from those things. But on the climate perspective, it may be harder to say how we are affected by these slower, if not still dramatic, changes in seasonal weather, right? When a once in a hundred year storm is happening far more frequently. When from season to season, things are getting longer or shorter than they had been. Um, it, it has to affect us. It's hard to gauge how. Um, certainly it's not quantifiable, um, but I'm sure qualitatively there are things that we'll see um, that people will exchange in their stories, their anecdotes, the communities that they form. Um, and as we go into further into this climate change world, it'll be interesting to see how climate cultures adapt and change, how you might be able to recognize where someone grew up based on their approaches. Um, I mean, when we think about the sort of innovation areas, um, whether that's Boston or uh, Silicon Valley, um, from a weather perspective, they don't have a lot in common, but we do know that there are a lot of people there. There are education institutions, there are businesses, there are schools that are supporting the people who live and work there. Um, but things are moving away from being place-based, except for when you can't go anywhere. Uh, so I'm rambling, but when you think about the climate uh, that you grew up in, when you think of the climate you've lived in, um, and the climate you're currently in, those could all be the same. They could be dramatically different. Think about how you would describe your approach to planning to um, changes last minute to your sense of, of risk. And then talk to your friends, your colleagues, your family, and compare notes. Because I think, it seems likely, that there is a connection between all of the influences that we think of and that's around us on a daily basis. But we really only pay attention to when they cause us problems. Thank you for joining for another episode of Likely True. If you want to reach out and share your thoughts, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach out on Twitter at LikelyTruePod. Um, you can also find the series uh, from 2016 on Medium, uh, published under my name, Carol Lindstrom. Thank you for joining.
talk to you next time.